Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is brought to you by our friends at Naira and Naira Bet to cover the two-day pick six we have coming up on this Travers Day weekend. It's a 20-cent minimum and a 15% takeout and gives us a chance to have a pick six on all grade one races. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the pool house in Niskayuna and joined by a man who it's always a pleasure to have on these airwaves. And whenever he appears, I get a bunch of emails saying, can you have him more? Because he analyzes a race really like no one else and proud to call him a, a friend and mentor and someone I've had the great pleasure of working with over the years. He is the legendary horse player, Stephen Christ. Steve, how are things? Hey, Pete, things are good. It's Saratoga. What's not to be good? <laughs> what is your opinion generally of these multi-day um, pick bets? Are they something that you look to get involved with in particular? Do you just play them as they come in terms of if you're interested in the specific races? And what do you think of this one in particular? Well, I mean, there are plus and minuses uh, to the two-day format. I, I think this one uh, is very interesting uh, because if you compare the two-day pick six to the on-track you know, live pick six on Saturday, what you're doing is substituting the personal ensign on Friday for a really messy one other than turf sprint on Saturday, you know, that's got a 13 horse field and all sorts of possibilities. So, you know, if that race explodes your head as it did mine and you want to play a pick six into the Travers, I think the two one is two day one. Uh, is a very good alternative this time around. And again, remember, it's, you know, a 50 cent bet, not a, not a dollar. I mean, 20 cent bet, I think, not a dollar. So, you know, you've got a more manageable race and a lower minimum, and it's all grade one. So I, I'm going to play it. I love that. And for me, there's one noticeable minus, you might say, but a couple of big pluses. It and one plus that's interesting is, so a lot of times when you see a 20% increment, it really seems to play into the hands of the computer teams and the efficiencies that they bring to their ticket construction. However, we've seen historically that they're not as involved for whatever reason in two-day bets, in multi-track bets, and things like that. So I feel like this is a chance maybe for us to take advantage of being able to construct our tickets a little bit more carefully without having to deal with the full brunt. I'm not saying they're not in the vets at all, but without having to deal with the full brunt of a CAW might. I like that. The negative maybe is having some weather uh, questions that are that much harder to answer when you're putting the ticket in on Friday. Now, granted, at least we're dealing with uh, a dirt race heavy sequence. So, so maybe it doesn't matter so much, but those are a couple of the other factors I think people need to deal with. Does the weather intimidate you at all when you're looking at a sequence like this? Seems to me like it, it's there's going to probably be rain, but it's very hard to know how much. I mean, it's 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 really tricky to, to figure out how much it's going to be in the game. Uh, and I mean, it's really tricky in general, and it's super tricky at Saratoga. I mean, the forecasts can be 98% wrong, uh, yes. and it's just something you have to live with with Saratoga. Uh, it just seems more and more volatile, uh, volatile up there. You know, the only uh, big day comparison I could find at Naira, because they've just started doing this, you know, was Belmont Day. And they had a, a two-day 20-cent pick six that handled 372000 And, you know, the one-day Belmont Day pick six carried $1.4 uh, So, you know, yeah. four times as big a pool, 
obviously a lot more CAW play. But, you know, if this pool on the 20 cent one is 300,000, I'll be in it. Yeah, I like it. All right, let's talk about the first race in this sequence. We start off on Friday with race number nine, the personal ensign, a race that I think many, or at least I, before I actually looked at the race, sort of figured we'd be coming back and, and looking at it as a match race. And as I actually sat down and handicapped it, looking at the pace, et cetera, was maybe a little bit more complicated than that, Steve. What numbers do you imagine will be on your tickets as we light this candle? Well, uh, like everyone else in the universe, Nest and Clarier will both be on my tickets. I think it gets a little interesting after that because, you know, the, the Philly who is the close third choice to the two of them uh, at three to one, uh, idiomatic, I am not sold on at all. Uh, my third horse is going to be Secret Oath. Uh, I don't think Idiomatic has proved herself against top company. I, I think she's been running against a rung or two lower in Kentucky. Whereas Secret Oath on her bet that best day can be competitive with these two. And, you know, Lucas says that she is training the best of her life and ready to fire big. So, you know, everyone's going to use Nest and Clarier, but I thought Secret Oath was maybe the interesting horse to get in at a price and knock out a lot of tickets. I was going to try to get cute and prefer Nest significantly to Clarier, just based on sort of where it seems like she is in her development. And I was going to just back up with idiomatic on the pace angle and the pace angle alone. Now, I know uh, there is a situation where Nest is ridden aggressively um, and, they, and, and it does set up for, for closers like Secret Oath and or Clarier. Uh, but I don't know. I, I you don't give idiomatic any chance to just sneak away on the front end. You you just don't think she's up to this. It's more of a class question for you. Yeah, I I just think that you know she is a solid grade two filly running against champions. Uh, yeah. I I just don't think that she's going to beat all three of these legitimate grade one fillies. Uh, and uh, you know Clarier, who I was surprised. Uh, that, you know, David, who's the you know, best line maker in, in the world, thought there was going to be that big a gap between Nest and Clarier. Because, well, of course, it's, you know, impressive that Nest won off that nine-month layoff. Boy, did she have her, you know, everything her own way. I mean, a half length off six furlongs and one fourteen and two. Uh, you know, whereas Clarier did not get the big pace that she needs to close into. And I think that with idiomatic in the race and possibly another horse or two being close, the Clarier is going to get a, a fairer setup. Uh, so, you know, to me, I'm going to use the two of them in equal strength. I could be being too clever by half here, but I'm thinking David does such a good job watching the workouts for first time starters and horses ahead of these big races. I'm wondering if that isn't indicative that when we do see the clocker report come out, that we're going to be seeing more positive comments for, for Nesta and Clarier. I'm guessing that might be where that line difference comes from. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't argue with anybody wanting to use any combination of these four, but I'm definitely going to be pressing up Nest on my tickets just again with that thought that maybe she's taking this big step forward. For your tickets, Steve, that I'm sort of uh, taking notes on for our In the Money Plus people, I'm going to list you with the five and the six as A's and the three as a B. Does that sound about right? It sounds about right, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make one waste 
throw away ticket with idiomatic as a C, but I, I just don't believe in her. <laughs> you make a compelling case against, and, and I know, think there'll be on no Malloy's on my tickets. Uh, that's a strange entrant. <laughs> yeah, well, who? You're not quite sure what the story is there. In truth, if that's a, if that's a, if that's hustled or what. Let's move to the Saturday races. We start off with a leg B. It's going to be race number seven on Saturday. That's the forego, a race on paper that shapes up as a match, it seems, once again, between Gunite and Elite Power. Which way are you leaning? Can it get a little bit more creative than the top two? Uh, no, I can't get any more creative. And no, I really can't pick between them. Uh, they're the two best sprinters in the country. They put on a tremendous show last time. Uh, it was on a sloppy track. Uh, and, you know, obviously that, that means they'll both be fine if it rains. But, you know, Elite Power really jumped up speed figure-wise on the wet track. And I'm not sure that his fast track races are necessarily good enough to beat Gunite. So I'm not going to be cute. I'm not going to try to pick between them. I'm just going to use the two of them and move on. That's my exact approach. If you forced me to give a top pick, I might give Gunite just because I see it as their chances being very similar and Gunite will be the bigger price of the two, but not a lot to, not a lot to split in a situation like that, Steve, with pick sixes where you like two kind of equally and one is going to be four to five and one's going to be six to five. Do you ever try to get a few more tickets with the shorter priced horse to like even out the equity or do you play them pretty much for the exact same amount of money and just live with it if the shorter priced of the two wins? I mean, if, if I really thought one was, you know, significantly more likely to win than the other, you know, then I'd make one an A and one a B. But in, in this case, I think that, you know, they really do have equal chances to win the race. So, you know, I'd like to benefit uh, if I can get Gunite home at, at two to one over lead power at, at three to five. I'd like to benefit from, you know, the fact that some people will be singling the other way around. And do you think do you think that's a, a realistic uh, guess at what these odds are going to be? You think they're really going to crowds really going to go for elite power this time? I, there's a lot of ones in his past performances, <laughs> and and you know he was so visually impressive rallying last time and and running down Gunite. I think people will lean that way, but you know I I think they'd be making a mistake if they let Gunite go at five to two or higher. We move on to race number nine. Leg C is the H. Allen Jerkins Memorial, grade one for seven furlongs. One of the races on this day I traditionally get the most excited about. Characteristically small field in this spot with just six going to post, two of whom are trained by Bob Baffert, Fort Bragg, and Arabian Lion. But my idea I'll run by you here, Stephen, and I was sort of hoping this was a horse that might get a little bit lost, get a little bit longer on the morning line. But David is probably right in his guess that that will not happen. I was interested in verifying as the type of horse that I just traditionally like in this race. These horses that were stretched out beyond what they probably wanted to do in terms of the triple crown trail, making that cut back to the seven furlongs. And this is a race that you could definitely see the pace hotting up and a horse like Verifying ending up on the cutback, being that best closer and running them down in the lane. I was going to try to press Verifying here. Didn't have much to separate the four, five, and six very obvious runners in this spot as well, but extremely curious to get your take on it, especially if this Verifying uh, is potentially the real deal in a spot like this. 
Well, you know, I think that both verifying and, and Fort Bragg turning back are very dangerous. I, I, you know, traditionally, I'd love turnbacks uh, into this seven for a long race. I will say this about this race. These are really good three-year-old sprinters. I mean, five of these six three-year-olds are already triple-digit buyer horses. You know, as a group, I, I'd argue they're better, quote-unquote, than horses in the Travers. Now, I, I understand they do something entirely different. Uh, and, you know, people are always going to lean toward the, the glamour division, you know, three-year-olds going long. But these are some seriously fast horses. I, I can't wait to see this race. I mean... They are so good. New York Thunder's race in the Amsterdam was just jaw-dropping. I mean, the way that he ran away from Drew's gold and then just took off again at the top of the stretch and, and found another gear and, and ran a legitimate buyer figure of 110. You know, then you've got Arabian Lion, who couldn't have been better in the Woody Stevens running a 109. Uh, you know, I can't play against those two horses. They're so good. So I'm going to be pretty boring and, and, you know, just go three, four, five, six in this race and sit back and I hope enjoy a really good horse race. If you were to, you wouldn't divide them into A's and B's. You'd play them pretty equally and you wouldn't have a top pick. Yeah, I, I, I really would divide them that way. I, I, you know, I very much see the, you know, appeal of getting one of the turnbacks being verifying in Fort Bragg you know, to run down a possible duel. But New York Thunder and Arabian Lion are just so good. I'm not going to be shocked to see either one of them win by daylight. I, I can't disagree at all. I just was thinking from a wagering point of view, maybe taking a little bit of a lean that way to, to, to get a boost. But it's not like I'd be playing against the, the likely favorites in the spot off those huge figures. No, and I mean, I, I think, oh, you, you know, verifying is going to be the fourth choice in the betting and, you know, just can't be much less than four to one, nine to two. Uh, so, you know, you'll, you'll get value if you can beat the bottom two with one of them. Race 10 is up next. It's the grade one ballerina going seven furlongs for these fillies and mares. Another one on paper really looks like a match race with uh, Echo Zulu and Goodnight Olive. I'm very much attracted to Echo Zulu just off that imperious win in the honorable miss as opposed to Goodnight Olive, who maybe has looked uh, not as impressive this season as she has last season, despite having a couple of high-profile wins. How do you separate these two in the ballerina? Well, they're, you know, they're obviously the the right two horses and, and clearly the best. I mean, this is a, a showdown of champions. It's a, a rematch of last year's. Breeders' Cup uh, Philly and Mirror Sprint. Um, I lean toward Echo Zulu, but, you know, not so strongly that I'm going to take a position against Goodnight Olive. I, I just can't make anyone else win the race. Uh, they're, you know, they're just in a different league from the rest of these. And, you know, you hate to say, oh, I like the seven to five and nine to five shots, but I, I, I can't go anywhere else in the race. I didn't have a clever idea. Maybe you did. No, I really didn't. I, I was... If anything, I was just going to try to press up Echo Zulu to be more like a, a, a pressed up A as opposed to a B for Goodnight Olive. But I, I don't want to lose a ton of equity if she wins. It's just it, it, the way the pace shakes out. I just unless they somehow hook up really early, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Goodnight Olive will be in striking position 
Echo Zulu will have a little bit of a tactical advantage, but it's not a situation where I can see them setting it up for something to to come running here either. I feel like a hundred percent of the money will run through those two in the Valerina. Yeah, um, and they and I, they both drew well. Uh, you know, I mean, if one of them had been on the rail, or if the two of them had been in the inside three or four posts, but you know, for the two of them to draw in six and seven in, in a field of eight, you know, fine, let let someone inferior go inside you, but. Uh, I, I think they're both very well set up for this race. The parade of grade ones continues in race number 11. Leg E is the sword dancer. We're going a mile and a half on the inner turf. We may have some cut in the ground. Who, what numbers will be on your tickets in this one, Steve? Uh, I, I think there will be three and a half numbers on my ticket. Uh, Soldier Rising, Channel Maker, and Stone Age are are definitely A's with me. I don't know what to do with Bolshari Ballet. I'm sort of waiting to see the the time form figures and, you know, maybe look at a, a couple of European replays. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a horse who earlier in his life was, you know, the favorite in the Epsom Derby and he, and he won the Belmont Derby. But boy, two years later, he, he just hasn't run back to that three-year-old form much. Now, I don't think they'd send him over here you know, for this very weak grade one American race. And, you know, unless they had some reason to think that that he was doing better. Uh, and I just think the three others in this this field, you know, have absolutely no chance. Daunt, pioneering spirit and Verstappen, they're just a cut below the rest of them. I was thinking Bolshoi Ballet definitely deserves to be on that A-line. You can toss um, the last run in the King George where he was used as a pacemaker. That run to me um, at Ascot two back uh, in the Wolferton, that's the kind of form that, I mean, really should win a race like this or at least go close to Stone Age's best form. And he, it's, it's been a journey for this horse. He hasn't been straightforward. He hasn't delivered the promise that he showed going off as a, as a Derby favorite, as you point out. But feels like exactly the kind of horse that's supposed to do well in a grade one over here. And I think people will maybe get a little bit put off by that last running line, which I just, you know, might as well have been a workout. And I think if the five to one comes to reality, that's pretty good. I have nothing against Stone Age. For me, Channel Maker, I mean, so cool. I certainly wouldn't mind him winning. I'd be clapping it back to the winner's circle. Might even find a way to get him on the tickets, but looks to me to be a fairly classic last time was the time. And I just worry about Soldier Rising being a little bit pace compromised into the into the teeth of the, those two euros so i would probably have those you know I, I have no problem if i can construct some backups with the with the one and the six but i'm gonna i'm gonna use bolshoi significantly and probably press up stone age for me the case for pressing stone age um as much just i do not want to lose equity if he wins he probably will be a six to five shot and while i like bolshoi as well i i just uh the, the situation he should get, like looking at a pace map, where his early pace figures put him and the way he can finish. It's, I just think it's going to be very tough for, um, for, for a closer to run him down if he runs anything like his representative race. So hoping we can get through the sword dancer and get to the race that gives the day its name. I can't remember. I, don't, I feel like this has happened before in my time in the game, Steve, where you had the horses that won the Triple Crown races and the two-year-old champion. Um, in, in the Travers, but I mean, boy, it's only seven horses, but but just a just a tremendous contest. And 
I might end up picking one who isn't any of the uh, doesn't have any of the uh, aforementioned accolades. It's it's a fun race this year's Travers. How do you how are you looking at it in general as a horse race before we drill down to your approach in the pick six? I I don't remember a Travers where a every entrant was within you know a length and a half of everybody else uh, on <laughs> figures. Uh, and one, frankly, where everyone was as moderately talented as they are. Um, I, I was not a fan uh, of this year's Derby and Preakness at all. Uh, I thought they were both subpar. Uh, the, the Belmont, I don't entirely know what to make of. You know, obviously, Fort was compromised by the long layoff. Um, I'm not as strong on the Jim Dandy as some other people are figure wise. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think we're likely to have a truly sloppy track tomorrow. So, you know, to me, this is a race. I'd love to go into it with an all, uh, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the field who can't win. Um, if you asked me to, to use two horses at, as A's, uh, I would use Fort uh, and I'd use Scotland who I think is a, a fascinating horse. Uh, he, more than any of these horses, I think, still has ceiling. Uh, you know, he, I'm going to be shocked if someone else jumps up and, you know, runs a figure of 110 in this race. I'm not going to be as shocked if Scotland does it because he's so lightly raised. He's still developing. Um, so, you know, if I had to break it down, A's, B's, and C's, uh, I think Fort and Scotland would be my A's, uh, Archangelo, uh, would be a B, uh, and, you know, I'd love to have everybody else as a C. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm not a mage fan. Uh, Tappet Trice just doesn't get it done. Um, but you know, it's a fascinating race because they are so close together on ability, but I, I guess I'd go with Fort and Scotland as A's. A horse I think could be very interesting in here potentially is number six, Disarm. This is a horse that I feel like you could make a pace-compromised excuse for last time. I thought ran just an absolutely terrific race at Ellis in the Matt win and might just end up with a really nice situation in this spot where there is hopefully going to be pace developing in front of him, can sit mid-pack and make mid, well, make one run. And most importantly, I think could be, paramutually speaking, speaking the forgotten horse in this spot. Um, I've liked the way this horse has worked out up here at Saratoga. I think he's got more in the locker than what we saw last time. Obviously, you don't think it's crazy because you're leaving him in there on your on your C line. But, you know, what about the idea of Disarm maybe being the value of, of the race here, especially if we can get double-digit odds, which we might at the end of the day? Oh, you you might well at the end of the day. Uh, I, I can't get too excited about him. Uh, you know, as I say, I wasn't a big fan of the Derby. I think the Derby number, you know, is four or five points too high. You know, and then his last two races have, have been in the slop. But, you know, what's his excuse in the Derby? Uh, you know, he just, he hasn't beaten top horses ever. Um, and, you know, what's his excuse in the Jim Dandy? Yeah, I mean, to me, he just, he did no running. So I can't get excited about him. But as I say, they're so close together in ability. Um, you know, I'll, I'll use him and a couple others as C's. 
you know, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. The, the case for Mage, and, you know, I'm certainly going to have several backups in the spot. In my first reckoning of it, I wrote down, you know, definitely wanting to, to cover the one, two, and the four. Um, the case for Mage, I guess, is if you take connections at their word that he was essentially a short horse going into the Haskell. And I do give it credence because that's what he that's what he ran like. You know, if you didn't if I hadn't heard all the talk about him being 85 percent, I would have said he hung. But I think he might have just got a little bit late. And then to to come up here to get the works at Saratoga off that feels like he should move forward again to me. Um, and if he does, uh, that should be good enough to be at least very, very close. Uh, obviously, you say, you know, I'm assuming largely based on your reading of the Kentucky Derby, you're not you're not taking him all that seriously. But how seriously do you take the idea that maybe he was just 85 percent and that extra 15 percent puts him over the top here? Well, but I mean, what's his excuse for the preakness? Uh, I, I mean, I thought he was awful. Back too quick preakness. would be my reductive. That would be my reductive answer to that. Was which you know I know will probably rankle you, knowing how I I know you feel about the traditional spacing of the triple crown. And I don't disagree with you at all, by the way. But I do buy it that some horses, you know, it, it, the, the way they're trained today, especially that they wouldn't necessarily deliver their top effort in that spot. Yeah, see, I, I just don't see that at all. I mean, historically, horses who run in the Kentucky Derby run just as well or better in yes. the Preakness. And, and this I, idea yeah, that, right. you know, two weeks is a terrible hardship for a horse to come back. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nonsense. <laughs> I walked right into that one. And, it's, yeah. and, and I'm glad to get that opinion on the show. Because <laughs> in truth, I agree with you most of the time. But, you know, I was just thinking in the in the sense of horses being individuals, he might be one of the ones for whom that wasn't true. But it is true. If you go back and you look even 15 years ago, they tend to run that number right back. They yeah. certainly did not. He was punchless in the Preakness. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, what do you think the odds are that the winner of this race wins the three-year-old championship. Well, it, it'll, he'll certainly become the, the leader of the division. Um, but, you know, I think it'll come down to, does anyone win a, a big race in the fall against older horses? Um, you know, let's say Scotland wins the Travers. Well, now he's, you know, one of five horses with a, yes. a single grade one win this year. Um, you know, I think he'd have to do something else. Uh, but when you've got two-year-old champion, three triple crown race winners, you know, all meeting in the Travers, uh, whoever wins this race is going to be the leader of the three-year-old division. But, it, it, you know, let's see what happens this fall. I mean, the, the older horse division, I mean, who, who are we so scared of? Well, I think this is a slightly subpar group of three-year-olds. You know, if Cody's Wish really doesn't want to go two turns or a mile and a quarter, you know, who's out there we're supposed to be terrified of. That's one more word on uh, on Forte slash Fort before we we proceed here. I did notice, obviously, everybody noticed the big figure improvement last time. Boy, if that's for real, you can really see the case for him continuing to step up and deliver on that promise he had as a two-year-old champion. Obviously, you're not ruling it out the way you're approaching the race, but you don't seem overly sold, and they're going to Really, I think they are going to come for him. I think David's probably right with that seven to five. It could even be a little bit shorter. And what's your overall view of him? I, I agree with you. You know, in in a, in a way, I'm I'm rooting for him uh, because I like to see two year old champions, you know, come back and succeed. And it certainly would restore some order to the division. 
And, you know, with all these grade one races that he's won, he may just be the best horse in the division. I'm, I'm only skeptical of the Jim Dandy figure, A, because it was on a sloppy track, B, because it was the only two-turn dirt race that day. So, you know, it's kind of a guess and kind of a made-up number. Uh, you know, I really wish there had been a couple of other mile and eighth races that day. Uh, so, you know, and a couple of other horses who finished close, it's like, what, everyone gets a career top, you know, running in the slop? I, I don't quite buy it. But that doesn't mean that, you know, he can't prove to be the best of this division. The three different figure maker sources I have all have it within three points. So I know what you mean about it being a made up number. But when every sharp person's educated guess is so similar, does that give a little bit of credence to it anyway? Oh, sure it does. But I mean, how, how sold are you on, you know, Saudi crown and angel of empire being 105 buyer horses? I'm, I'm not. Less so. <laughs> Less so than Forte. With Forte, it, it makes sense in that, you know, he'd always deliver the, the form and he'd always look like such a classy horse. So it, it feels good when those types run the big number, you know, but not, not that that's some huge number, but that it's, you know, the significant number. One more question for you, Steve, before I let you get out of here. I just want to talk about this sequence a little bit holistically, because more than most, more than I think any pick six race sequence you and I have ever talked about, this one seems kind of chalky. How do oh, you, it, make, it, that, it how do you make that work? Is. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be shocked, yeah. you know, if, if it pays $168, uh, you know, uh, I mean, that's sort of what's supposed to happen. But, you know, I think it's a, a good sequence, you know, to do a lot of C horses, because if you can just get one interesting horse in, uh, in the course of the day, you know, it's, it's really going to jump up because, you know, a lot of people are going to play this and rightfully so for, you know, $32. And I think it's great to offer a hittable pick six, you know, that someone can play for $32. Uh, right. But, you Try know, that. if if five of these races sort of come out logically and one of them you get one goofy horse, it, it's really going to accelerate the payoff because then you're going to lose all the thirty two and sixty four dollar players. That's that's what I was going to ask. Is it more you try to take and it only takes one approach and construct your tickets very carefully with C's? Or is it the kind of thing where you might try to hit a $50 or $100 pick six dialing down into the horses you like the most? Or do you do you use a combination of those two approaches? I, I, I think it's a, a combination. But, you know, given that on these big days when, when you've got so many races in this sequence where you know, there's two horses and, and then there's nobody. Um, you know, I, I don't think anyone's going to make a life changing score on this thing, but maybe get one interesting horse in and, you know, it pays 500 and you put in a lot less than 500. Yeah, that's smart. I think that's great. And I think a lot of people will try to follow that approach. And, you know, this idea that we've sort of I never really thought about it before, but the pick six as churn bet isn't a bad thing. You know, it's good for players to be able to cash these things once in a while. And as we've seen, these the traditional sequences that I would say, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you and I loved in the old days with the inscrutable, seemingly inscrutable, you get to be clever and, you know, you have a chance to, to pick up, to sweep a pool. That really doesn't exist in the CAW era 
anyway. You know, the, the, those things that used to sweep the pool, now there's 11 winners, is, is my observation of those. So to have one like this, that's that, where the winners are, are a lot more findable, but you still have to put your construction to the test, maybe that's not such a bad thing. No, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, those days of, of the pick six are over. Every day I am astounded by how many live horses there are in, in the last leg. Uh, I, I think that there are groups playing the pick six for serious money. And, you know, you're not going to compete against people putting in five to 10,000, you know, when you're playing for, you know, 212. It's just, you know, I don't care how good a handicapper you are. Uh, and those kind of, you know, pool scoop opportunities just aren't there anymore. Well, this is an interesting opportunity. And it's always a pleasure to have you on chatting about it steve we are looking forward to having you back on very soon oh how did the how did thin white duke come out uh, the other day before we uh, before we let you go uh came out of the race just fine and we are planning to run him back a week from saturday in the inaugural harvey pack which we won last <laughs> year when it was called the lucky coin oh that's so exciting will you be up here for that i definitely will Excellent, excellent. Wonder who from the from the pack clan will be around. I'll make some inquiries. That's going to be a special day. And yeah, I, love... I heard the family is going to be there, and uh, you know they're uh, they're thrilled about it. And uh, you know, credit to those who, who push to have this race named for Harvey. He uh, certainly deserves it. I have a feeling a mutual friend of ours may have had a, a significant say in things. A guy you see on talking horses all the time. Uh, I think you are <laughs> correct, sir. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, look forward to seeing you in person. Hopefully we can fist bump over the, uh, the, the two-day pick six we hit here on our airwaves, Steve. We'll be talking soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Pete. That's going to do it for this special edition of the show. We'll thank Steve once again. We'll thank our friends at Naira. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your photos. <laughs>